Hi, this is Dan Sullivan, and I'd like to welcome you to the next episode of the Free Zone Frontier. I have Steve Crane here, and Steve, we're going to talk about one of the key mindsets in your scorecard for your startup health entrepreneurs, and that is confidently ambitious. Nice set of words. So tell me what someone looks like when they're not confidently ambitious, Steve. <laughs> well, when they really have given way to the skepticism of everybody else, and you can tell they're no longer sold themselves on whatever it is they're talking about. Their lack of confidence and seemingly lack of ambition rejects all of the elements of what would attract people to you. So by seemingly seeming not confident and questioning what you're describing, people who might otherwise be attracted to what you're working on are no longer attracted. So that idea that you lack confidence makes nobody really interested in leaning in to figure out how to help you or to invest in you or to buy from you. And so it's almost the opposite of what happens when you are acting confident and ambitious, which is there's something seemingly attractive about you and what you're working on. I want to learn more, buy, invest, or do something. And so those two bookends of having confidence and ambition unwavering confidence and ambition, not cockiness, but just confidence and ambition versus questioning and almost not even being able to look someone in the eyes and describe to them why you're excited kind of becomes what I think is usually the biggest issue in fundraising, the biggest issue in customer traction issues, the biggest issue in team recruitment. When you talk to the entrepreneurs and you see right away they don't have the confidence and the ambition that they either once had or that they need to be successful. I want to tell you, I was bragging on you yesterday in the Game Changer workshop, and it was something that you said that made a huge change with regard to startup health, and that you said in every situation I was in, I just started talking about my biggest, best story, and that it didn't matter whether it was at a party, it was at a meeting and everything else. People say, what do you do, Steve? And he said, well, I'm transforming the entire healthcare on the planet. We've got a whole number of moonshots. We've got hundreds of entrepreneurial companies working for that. And I've created the entire structure for this to happen. And we're going to completely transform all the major health issues on the planet. Talk to me about this because it had a huge impact on the new people who were in the Game Changer yesterday. I said, you got to start talking about this to everybody you know. So we got talking about it and people said, you know, it's going to make some people uncomfortable. And I said, well, big deal. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I think you've always spoken about protecting your confidence. It's the single most important thing that you can do as an entrepreneur. Number one, protect your own confidence build a team that protects your confidence and then protect their confidence, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a mutual protection, which is why whether it be unique ability or other things, the idea is to always be making sure you're confident. And if you're not, you figure out why and create an action plan to get back to being confident. But confidence and ambition is a funny thing. Before you built something, 
oftentimes your confidence and your ambition is at its peak, right? You're kind of blissfully ignorant <laughs> about what needs to happen. And then as soon as you start working on it, and I think the idea of your base company, you're very confident about, but this idea of a game changer, 100x plan, you start out confident, but then the reality of the quarterly obstacles, challenges, things that don't go your way, all of a sudden begin to erode at your confidence. And no matter how many times you get knocked down, you have to create a muscle that continues to keep your confidence and your ambition regardless of how many times you get knocked down. What's interesting is, you know, entrepreneurship's full of rejection, right? You're pitching ideas, you're selling, you're raising capital, you're recruiting your team. And before there's a lot of data oftentimes, there's so much rejection that that's the true test of your determination and your perseverance. And so if you kind of own the idea that confidence and ambition is an important mindset, like long-term commitment, like supportive relationships, like quarterly rhythm, then you're kind of building up a force field yep. to be able to stay the course. And I always am in awe of the entrepreneurs that can do that quarter after quarter because the reality is it's really difficult if you don't work on it as a collaboration with your team and yeah. a collaboration with your partner and even a collaboration with your clients. I had a meeting last year with an investor in one of our companies they had done really well, raised the Series A, raised the Series B. And then the, the investor came to me and he says, you know, this entrepreneur doesn't have that confidence and that swagger he had when he was selling me on it. And we started talking about it. He goes, I think he's had so many obstacles, so much rejection that it started to wear on him. And one question led to us breaking through what was holding this entrepreneur back. And it was the entrepreneur hadn't taken a vacation in six months had started letting their weekends become buffer days and focus days. And so they were no longer rejuvenating and they were no longer recalibrating and they stopped protecting their confidence. And mm -hmm. that is what stopped them from continuing to make progress. But I think people around you know right away when you're feeling lack of confidence in yeah. what you're saying and you can tell right away. So I'm always looking for the entrepreneur who's confident and ambitious, but also the entrepreneur that can stay there and then making sure that they're self-aware, which is by the way, the next mindset, self-aware enough to know when they are or they're not acting confident and ambitious because of how important it is in how they communicate and what they're communicating. Yeah. Well, here's the thing then, you know, we're always simplifying what we think are about, but my general assessment of the planet as we are operating right now that, generally speaking, people only buy two things, where they make major investments when they buy two things. They buy other people's confidence in themselves, and they buy where they see this confidence going in the future. And that's what we buy. And I don't care what field of human activity it is. I don't care where we are. We're not buying stuff. We're buying people. Okay, and we're buying 
you know, is this person really confident in themselves? We really buy that. And then if they have projected confidence that's bigger in the future, that's ambition. It's a vision of accelerating confidence in the future if we buy that. And that's all we we'll buy. When we hire someone, that's what we're buying. You know, when we hire someone to work in the company, are they really confident about themselves? And do we see this acceleration of confidence into the future that we're going to be able to depend upon. When we marry someone, that's what we do. You know, when we choose a doctor, when we choose a professional in our life, that's all we're choosing. And I think people get confused, you know, about how the future is going to change and what new things. I said, this is a constant. This was true 3,000 years ago, and this is true today. We buy people, we buy their confidence, and we buy a vision of them being even more confident in the future. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When I first started thinking about confidence as a mindset, what I didn't realize was that it's not really just an internal thing. It's reflected in how you communicate or when you communicate. So if you're on stage, if you're in front of a video camera on a Zoom call, if you're on a phone call, if you're writing, your confidence is obvious to other people or lack of confidence is obvious to other people. And it is almost like a scent that we put out as animals. It's either the scent that attracts or it's the scent that repels. Yes. What was that Jerry McGuire, the little kid who had all the great lines? He said, you know, dogs and snakes can smell fear. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, he just had these one-liners, and you sit there and you say, you know, you forget what the next 10 minutes of the movie are. You said, that's right, dogs. I see it all over the place. And, you know, one of the exercises we do, and I'm passionate about this exercise in the strategic coach program, and I think it relates directly to your mindset, and that's the impact filter. I said the first half of the impact filter is to make sure that you've sold yourself. The second part of the impact filter is to show that if they buy you, this is what's going to happen. You know, there's going to be a big jump. And I think we're zeroing in immediately that, you know, you can talk about all the complexities of startup health and all the different structures you put in. But basically, at the very center of everything is that a whole bunch of independent entrepreneurs around the world have bought you, Steve Crane, and they bought your vision of where this can all go. And then when you present Startup Health to the investment community, they're actually zeroing in. I think he can pull this off. Yeah, because I don't think about me as selling me as much as I sell them to themselves sometimes. Yeah. The idea that they aren't even aware of what they're capable of. And sometimes it's a reframing of their accomplishments and their progress and their unique abilities and their reputation that gives them, I almost like impart the confidence on them that they, you know, either don't have or should have. And then you keep reinforcing it. Oftentimes they come with it and it erodes over time Mm -hmm. because of the natural challenges that every entrepreneur has as they reach new peaks, right? And it's this idea that when you look at really great companies and really great entrepreneurs, they continue to push themselves and push their company to achieve more. 
and their confidence builds over time. So what's interesting about this discussion around each of these mindsets is they're all just these muscles mm-hmm. that we're continuing to work. But when you think about what you need to be confident doing today in 2018, and I would take you back to 2008 or 1998, you were as confident then about what you were doing, but you were playing a much smaller game just because mm-hmm. of where you were. Yeah. And so your game keeps changing, getting bigger. As a game changer, I think you're playing in an area where it's very easy for people to push you down and try to keep you making your plans more realistic and keep you from being as ambitious because I think it scares other people. So I think the gravitational pull as you live in the health transformer mindset is greater and greater the higher you aspire to go. Yeah. We've just updated the mindset scorecard for the entire Game Changer community, you know, who are actually in the Game Changer program. One of the mindsets is go global, go global with your idea. So somebody said, you know, why is that so important? And I said, well, because... Trying to grow where you are is really, really hard work. Fulfilling your aspirations, ambitions locally probably isn't going to do it, okay? And I said, but you know you could do it if you went global with the idea and that halfway there, if your goal was halfway there, that would be harder than global and it would be harder than local. <laughs> and I, I said, so the only alternative to being local is to go global. And they were talking about that, but I don't know if I could do that. I said, of course you don't know if you could do that. It's a commitment. It's a commitment. Yeah. It's going to require courage to do it. But once you pull it off, you're going to find out that being global is a lot easier than being local. Yeah. Let me ask you a question related to that, because you talked about you've been iterating on your game changer scorecard, mindset, mind shift scorecard. The more we talk about this, and I'm actually thinking about this in my own scorecard, so I'm wondering how it plays out in yours. But the thinking about your thinking, Mm -hmm. the thinking about your thinking, overall, the whole entire scorecard, you know, I think emphasizes the need for that. Mm -hmm. But do you think that the thinking about your thinking is itself a mindset? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. In my world, you know what I've observed, there's four levels of thinking. So we're talking about 7.6 billion people. There are people who just think about things, okay? And you've been around them. They talk about their cars. They talk about, you know, but you go anywhere and all they're talking about is things. You know, their whole life is about things. They're boys with toys mostly. And then you have people who, when you're around them, all they talk about is people, you know, and I think that this is what's propelled Facebook and what's propelled Twitter, and that is that they're born gossips. They came out of the womb as God, and they just want to gossip about people. And so having a technological power that lets them gossip about 500 people to 10,000 other people really, you know, it's really... but. You cannot get them on any other topic than talking about what so-and-so is doing and what so-and-so is doing. So then there's people who talk about things and people, okay? So they double up. And then there's a third group of people who talk about thoughts. So you got things, people, and then thoughts. And thoughts are like 
the news media, it's like the academic community, it's like Hollywood, it's like the political sector. They argue over thoughts, you know, and some people will spend 50 years being an expert on someone's thoughts. You know, they get a doctorate in someone's thoughts. And they have to have good minds to make a living at this. You know, but when you get together, they're always telling you about thoughts. They're not telling you anything about thinking. They're just telling you about somebody else's thoughts, you know. And then there's this jump-off place where the person says, well, that's really interesting, but, you know, if I'm in a quiet room by myself, I can just reflect, hmm, what did I do last quarter that if I looked at it in a different way, I would see an entirely new way of going about that? And they can sit there for about 15 minutes, and they're like in a gym with their own activities, and they're being able to generate a new level of thinking, a new idea, a new strategy. And that's what I call thinking about thinking. And all you really need for thinking about thinking is the belief that your own experience is incredibly important and your own plans for the future are incredibly important. And you can actually make linkages between what you've done in your past experience and how you've approached it and how you're going to do that. And that's what I call thinking about your thinking. And very few people will do it unless they're put under severe pressure and duress. But to just be able to do this as a form of enjoyable activity is a very high level. And the interesting thing is that if you're good at thinking about thinking, the things that you have in life are energy-giving things. The people you have in life are energy-giving people, and the thoughts you have in your life are energy-giving thoughts. So once you break through the thinking about thinking, you enhance the things, people, and thought level. You're surrounded by high-quality things, people, and thoughts. Do you think those four fit into the four columns in a scorecard? So if you just think about the columns, thinking about your thinking is transformational, game-changing. Yeah, I, I hadn't seen that before, but it's absolutely true. Thinking about thoughts or news, and I don't know what the right word is there, but that's kind of conventional. Yeah. Thinking about people, it really, you said gossip, and I kept thinking about like, even within my own organization where people just, you know, talk about other people, you kind of like, you not only get a bad feeling about it, but it doesn't become very productive. And then if it relegates down to thinking about things, you're kind of down, is that a failure mindset? Do they follow that mindset scorecard methodology? Yeah, people who think about things are car thieves. <laughs> They're breaking entry experts because their whole life is about, I don't have that thing, and I deserve that thing. The fact that that person has that thing and I don't have that thing, there's an injustice here. Criminals, you can see the criminal, the entire criminal spectrum over this one. And, you know, when you get to level three, it's really interesting because those people often have, you know, a code of thoughts about what success means. You know, and what respectability means. And so they have a series of thoughts about this. And all the people in their golf club kind of have these thoughts. And all the people in their high-scale neighborhood have these thoughts. And one of the thoughts is that, you know, a degree from Harvard is really, really an important accomplishment in life, you know, that you have it. But they're static. First of all, they're not thoughts that they came up with. They're thoughts that they've received from other people. 
it's a really interesting thing. But what I notice is that once people enter into this thinking about thinking, they're just really, really interested in playing that game with other people. What we're doing on the podcast is we're thinking about our thinking and we're kind of doing a duo here. I would have said it's inherent in all of my mindsets already, the thinking about thinking, but I love the breakdown that you just went over. And I'm looking at both of our scorecards back next to each other right now. And I don't think this idea is reflected as specific enough and clear enough as it needs to be to be a game changer and a health transformer. Good. Again, it's like unsaid. And of course, it's baked in. But it's actually, I think, a big enough idea. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm going yeah, to so, yeah, draft mean, up something on this. This is an iteration. Well, this well, is actually very important. Well, thinking about thinking is what changes the game. doesn't matter what game you're playing. If you think about your thinking, you'll change your game for the better. So, yeah. Okay. We're right at the magic witching hour here. Yeah. That was great. What's, this what was, was your huge. biggest insight? Yeah. Well, I love it because all of a sudden you see new things. And I've got a couple coach improvements just from putting an emphasis on the power of the quarterly workshop and the quarterly reporting and the quarterly relaunch of yourself. I think that's really important. And this thing about really going deep on thinking about your thinking, I think it's really, I think I'll do books, little books on both of them, little quarterly books. (laughs) Anyway, loved it, Steve. I get enormous value out of this. Me as well, Dan. I think for me, this refinement, like I said, I think the thinking about your thinking is something that I spread out throughout all of these, even in this next one, self-awareness. But I really like the distinction you made about the four levels. And when you start to put them into the categories that scorecards have, I think it becomes really clear that as an entrepreneur, if all you're doing is thinking about things or people or thoughts, you're missing I think the key ingredient to be a true health transformer, a true game changer. So this is great. Really great. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Dan.